Welcome to this episode of Soul Matters. So I was so excited about this episode. We're not going to interview anyone today, but we did have a listener bring up a question that I thought was worth addressing. Um, So he said, you know, you guys are called Soul Matters, so don't you think you should define soul and get a clear definition of soul? So we wanted to spend a few moments here um, as we get into the episode talking about that, like what is soul? And, and, and we're going to continue to to work with this question, to discover what soul is through this podcast. I think that's one of the things that we're doing here is trying to feel into the contours of soul so we can really get a, a visceral sense of what is soul? What is it? And what is it to live a soulful life? And what practices, what practical things can we do so that we can touch soul, you know, so we can touch the, you know, almost like soul is dripping everywhere in our lives. We can touch it. We can feel it. We, if, if we practice, if we open our heart and our eyes, and we're hoping this podcast may inspire you and help you um, touch that soul and live more, a more soul connected life. I think that's what we're about here. Soul is something beyond words and almost something that can't be defined fully. It's something that can be experienced, it can be known, it can be felt, but it really can't be fully defined. It's something beyond our ability to define it. So all we can do really is try to point to it. And definitely all our episodes that we've had so far, there's an attempt to point to soul, to give you an experience of soul. And then I think of something that the cosmologist Brian Swim, a quote that I just love, um, that seems, again, to point to soul. And he says, when you look out at the stars, you are looking at the thing that created the looking. And for me, when I hear those words, I resonate with soul. What I'm hearing you describe when you talk about soul is this very mysterious kind of element about life, that it's, it's really so deeply mysterious and, and divine and hard to get our hands around. And words don't do it justice. And so it's more for me, um, a soulful person or to exist in a soulful way is more about something that I feel. Yeah. I think what it is, is this, this, experience of being so small. We're such a speck on a speck on a speck in this universe. We're so small. We're looking out at this vast universe. At the same time, we're part of it all. We're connected to it all. We come from the stars. We are stardust on a small planet in the middle of nowhere and connected to everything else. That feels like soul, that, that experience of both being small and big, you know? And then there are just the little moments of life, the we have a new puppy in our house right now, and I wake up in the morning, and the puppy greets me and is all like joyful and, and so happy, and I feel this joy in my heart and this openness to my heart, this openness to life. That feels like soul. And at night, when I go to bed next to my wife, and I just feel the sense of calm and safety and love and, and, and bigger than the little box of human that I am in right now, this little box of skin, I can feel the love expand. That is soul. So soul is so many things. It's, it's that feeling you get when you look at a sunset and just feel in awe, just 
awe, total awe for life, for beauty, for being here, being able to experience that moment. I agree with you that it's pretty difficult to pin it down because it's so mysterious. It's so big, so as big as the stars or as big as God. And it's so small because it's us. And it's the mystery of being human, the mystery of your puppy and her joy when she sees you. Actually, I was walking by Trader Joe's the other day. I was standing in line because, you know, we have to stand in line now with our masks. And there's this row of, of plants planted to give it some beauty. And these little seedlings were poking their head up through the soil. And I just stood and looked at their little heads coming out through the soil. And I've always found that to be very mysterious. That, I mean, that here they are, these little flowers poking their head up, coming to greet the sun and to join us in the world. And that even feels soulful to me. First of all, it feels soulful to me that, that they're growing. But it, it's a soulful experience for me to stop and notice, to stop and look at all these little seedlings that are poking their heads out of the earth. And I was moved by that. I was moved by the beginning of life of these seedlings and moved by the beauty that they're adding by just being there along the sidewalk. And those are very soulful moments for me. And when you say that, I have this thought that as far as we know right now, we're really the only planet in the universe that has life. There may be other planets we don't know, but as far as we know, this is the only planet where that happens. So when you see that seedling turning into life, I mean, this gives me chills. This may be the only planet that's such a unique experience. And when I touch that, the uniqueness of that vibrates with soul. And it reminds me of this quote by Rumi that I'd like to read to you. And Rumi says, when you do things from soul, you feel a river moving in you. And that's what it's like for me. When I am having a soulful experience, I am feeling something move inside me, like move at the beauty of those seedlings or the wonder. Really what it is for me when I see those seedlings is wonder. I'm really in wonder that there's a little green thing poking its head out of dirt and it's going to become this magnificent flower. And when I was pregnant, I was in such wonder. I just could not even believe that a human being was growing inside me. I'm really still befuddled, befuddled by the wonder of it. And there's a river of emotion and wonder that moves inside me. I could go on. I could go on and on about all the things that, you know, befuddle me with wonder. Mm -hmm. But those are soulful experiences. And, and I can be befuddled with wonder by being with another human being, by their, their beauty or their tenderness, their, their pain. It moves me. And that's, I think, my most soulful moments is when I can let myself go there to exist in wonder and awe. I kind of love that. I just want to, that languaging that you just said is so beautiful. The 
you know, the way of entering soul is to open up or to, to be befuddled by wonder, um, to be surprised by grace, by, by just our being here with all this beauty and all this life and all this improbable life. Just befuddled by wonder. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sometimes I am even befuddled by my befuddlement <laughs> because sometimes I think other people just accept it. Just like, yeah, it's a flower. It's growing. Like things grow all the time. Or yeah, women have been having babies grow inside them, you know, since the beginning of human history. Yes. Like when you say that, I have this feeling again, I've said this before, but it took 13.8 billion years of evolution for those seedlings to be able to poke their heads up and act like that. So when we take it for granted, when we don't see it, you know, and sometimes I think what our purpose on this life is, and maybe this is the purpose of the soul, is to just be blown away by beauty, to just be amazed by our being here. And, and it's almost like the relationship between that moment, the, the seedlings open up and you, that's a holy moment. That's a sacred moment. And we have to notice it. It's like almost like it's, it's the universe way of loving us. And we open to the love when we notice it. And that's, that's for me, is kind of like that soul. That's where soul exists in that relationship between those seeds, you stopping and noticing and being amazed. In that interaction, soul is born, maybe. And, and deeply experienced by me. I mean, this may be a nice, a nice transition to practices, ways to engender soul in our lives, because you and I are sort of pointing to one of probably the practice in my life that engenders the most soulful moments like that. Um, and that is to notice beauty. I'm deeply committed to noticing beauty. So if you were to observe me walking, I walk a lot. And so if you were to observe me out in the world walking, you would see me stop and smell the flowers on this tree. And I would notice, oh, that flower doesn't have that much scent. But it's so beautiful. There's so many blossoms on one branch. And then I'd walk along and I'll smell this flower and notice that seedling and I'm touching leaves. I'm really noticing the sunshine. I'm smelling the breeze. I'm smiling at people walking along together and to just be really present in those moments and notice the beauty of the earth and the beauty of humans. That really, that really engenders soul for me. And I want to encourage our listeners to take the time to do that. To, to not rush through life, but to take time to slow down and notice the beauty and have wonder. And it's very soulful, I think, to pause and enjoy the beauty of our world. And I think it's a practice. I mean, in Buddhism, there's a practice of walking meditation. And there are two different kinds in a way. There's the formal kind, which we can get to maybe later. But there's also the informal kind. of When we go for a walk, our intention is to be present to the walk. So instead of being lost in thought, because sometimes when you go on a walk, you're like, oh, I'm scared about the virus or, or how are my kids doing with not being in school. And so we can be on the walk, but not on the walk. And so just like in formal meditation, where you bring yourself back over and over to the breath or to the moment, 
you can on a walk have the intention, I'm going to keep coming back. So yeah, I get lost because that's what the mind does. But I'm on this walk. I want to be on this walk when I'm on this walk. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about like, you know, the miracle is not walking on water. It's walking on the earth. And what he means by that, Thich Nhat Hanh is a Buddhist, Vietnamese Buddhist teacher, wonderful man. And, but what he means by that is, can you be in the walk? Can you be on that walk? And when you're on that walk, can you have an unbuffered encounter with the moment? So when you see the leaf, you're not thinking, well, that's a leaf and it's pretty and I've seen a lot of leaves before. You're actually encountering the uniqueness of leaf and it's right there. And so the practice of walking meditation is to start with the intention. I'm going to, as much as possible, take a stand and say, I want to be on this walk. I want to be present. And then you won't be. You'll move. You'll, your mind will pull you away. But then the intention itself, you'll remember at some point, oh, I want to be on this walk. And you come back. And you keep coming back. And then you begin to take in these things, the leaf, the greenness of leaf, right? Or you take in the breeze that just um, caresses your cheek and you notice it. Or you take in the smile of a child that you're walking by. Or you take in the blueness of the sky. You know, so you're there. Because in order to experience soul, and we've talked about this before, you have to be present. In order to have that encounter between you and the, 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 the seedlings that are beginning to blossom, in order to have that, you have to be there to have that encounter. Otherwise, you'd never even notice those seedlings. Right, right. And then you, don't, you miss it, or if you see them, you don't register it, so you're not present. So walking meditation is saying, I'm going to go on a half-hour walk. And instead of like just doing my normal walk, where I'm just like going to walk and then get lost in my thoughts, I'm going to make this a meditation. I'm going to notice when I get lost in thought, notice when I'm not present for the encounter with the moment, and I'm going to keep bringing myself back. You know? And what's beautiful about that in terms of what we're talking about is then you become more open to soul. You become more open to those soulful moments. You, you create the conditions where the river of soul, river of, um, what do you call it, the river of um, befuddlement, the, the river of amazement can actually happen. You know, because soul isn't something you can make happen, but you can create the conditions for it to arise, to feel it. You know, I think like it's something like walking meditation where the intention is, I'm going to be present as much as I can. That itself is, is creating the conditions for those soulful moments, those moments, but, you know, the moments which feed us. You know, I think, you know, <laughs> this time we're in right now is so hard in some ways because, you know, it's like, where we're, we're disconnected from people we care about. We're disconnected. You know, it's, it's hard. But I really feel like our two jobs is how do we feed our bodies? How do we take care of our bodies, exercise and, you know, good food and all that stuff? And then how do we feed our souls? Mm. And I think some of the depression that's out there right now and stuff like that is, is soul starvation. And so what we're talking about here, I think, is, and in this practice of, um, of walking meditation, we're talking about practices that feed the soul, and when the soul is fed, we feel better. We feel more alive. We have more resources to handle whatever it is that's coming at us. When we notice the seedling and are fed by beauty, we're better able to handle our day. And our day is oftentimes not as hard because we had those moments of beauty. It's as if the stopping and having those moments of beauty and wonder and befuddlement, that it sustains us. And I think we can create those 
in our relationships as well. And so a lot of people who are having what you called soul starvation, I think some of that is happening within the context of their human relationships. And what I would say is a way to engender a soulful moments in your human relationships is similar to the noticing of beauty. It's where you slow down and really take in the person in front of you. And our habits nowadays do not facilitate that because we're often looking at our phones, checking our email, rushing around to multitask. And I think when we're doing the distracting things, it's unlikely we're having a soulful experience. So if we can be committed to just putting our phone down for a few moments and not multitasking, what I mean is that we have give singular focus to the person in front of us, and we see their beauty. We remember the things that we fell in love with them for. We notice the beauty of their face or the funny things they say, because laughter, I think, connects us to that soulful river inside us. There are these experiences that tie all humans together, and laughter is one of them. And those experiences that tie all humans together, I consider to be very soulful qualities, whether it's all humans experience sorrow, all humans experience longing, all humans experience laughter and joy. And those, I think, are are the ingredients in that soulful river inside us. And so if we can slow down and be present to the human in front of us, whether it's our child, our friend, our parent, our partner, I think that we're more likely to get to have one of those soulful moments. Yeah, when you say that, it makes me think that we're often automatic pilot when you say we're, we're, we're like being run by our habits. And when we are being run by our habits, we are not present. We are not connected. We are disconnected from life. We begin to live at a distance from our experience. And what you're saying is when we break out of that automatic pilot and choose to be present, choose to really break out of that habitual way of being an automatic pilot, you begin to then bridge that distance between us and life. And then we can, then we can touch life. Then we can have soul. That seems so, um, so right on. And even what I would add to that is that we would bridge the distance between us and another human. Even in conflict, if we slow down and really pay attention and really listen deeply to what's going on for the other person, usually and often that gap will close and we'll feel connected. And that is a soulful moment between humans, but it's easy to miss. And it feels to me like what are the existential pains of being human is our loneliness. And I think what you're talking about is when we begin to really be present and connect with another and then connect with our interconnection to all beings, we begin to, to move out of that loneliness, that separation into realizing we're not alone. We are so connected. We are interconnected with really with everything. We're interconnected. And I think one of the most important elements of soul may be that realization that we're not alone, that you know, we can ride soul into interconnection. And I think that that's the answer to a lot of the ills in the world today is for us to go to that deeper level with even people we don't know who we villainize or judge. 
And I think that judging of them, of different people and saying that they're wrong is the thing that has created war, both sort of figuratively and literally. And there's a lot of that going on now between the political parties and um, I'm hoping less, gosh, I'm hoping that less of that is happening now with all of us being sort of collectively together and our fragility with this virus. But I think the answer to the, the ills of the world in terms of our separation is to connect with our deepest humanity together and see that, to see that in another human being. And that is soulful. And as we begin to touch our interconnection with all beings, we begin to touch our connection to this planet. You know, Joanna Macy, who's a very um, wise teacher on the planet right now, she's around, I think she's around 90 and she's been an activist and a spiritual teacher. And, and, and one of the interviews I heard of her recently and the interviewer asked her, you know, how does it feel to be 90 years old and coming to the end of your, your life? And, and she said, you know, she talked a little bit about what it's like having a frail body, but she also said, but you don't understand also that I'm not 90 years old. I am 4.5 billion years old. I am part of this planet. I'm not saying it intellectually. I feel my connection to this planet. And I've just like those seedlings that are giving birth through the soil. She feels like she feels like she's part of this process of life that is part of this planet. And she really feels it. I think that's soulful. That's, that's like, and there's something about that connection to things beyond ourselves, you know, beyond the ego. It seems very soulful. Mm-hmm. And those are soulful moments. I think to to remember how deeply connected we are to the earth, to each other, to the mystery. Yeah. You know, Viktor Frankl, the famous psychotherapist and um, survivor of Nazi concentration camps, he talked about people in the camps that had a sense of meaning were more likely to survive the camps. And I thought that that sense of meaning, he said, he said, human beings can survive anyhow if they have a why. And I was thinking, as I thought about that, that why he talks about, I think is soul. I think that's another word for soul. You know, that that sense of meaning that allow people to feel a greater strength to face the unfaceable. That I think is soul. People had a connection to soul in those moments who had more strength. I agree. And he wrote the book, A Man's Search for Meaning. And I think living a life with meaning is also a way to engender being soulful so that you figure out what it is that is most important to you in your life. Like what is the meaning of your life? Is it to create deep relationships? Is it to be connected deeply with the earth or with the divine? Um, Is it to help other humans? But I, I find that as people have a guiding principle that guides their life with meaning, that they often have a soulful experience in that living. So I just wanted to highlight that, that, you know, we're trying to give our listeners practical ways to live a life that will be more satisfying. And so to, to really connect with deep beauty, whether it's in nature or another human, that is to be present with the humans in front of you to be connected or cognizant of the mystery and to live a life of meaning. So we slow down and we let go of the distractions 
and we really, really pay attention to each other. And then we bridge the distance between us. And I think that will help people to touch soul more. So in this conversation, I think we both hope that you come away both again with, you know, some practices that you can utilize to maybe touch more deeply into soul and also maybe kind of without defining soul, you begin to understand what soul is through what we've talked about. And we're going to end as always, or we, we tend to do this now and every, every episode with a poem. And this may be the most soulful poem that I know of. Um, and it begins with a simple um, eating of a peach and it ends with the cosmos. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful poem. And when I first heard it, I, I um, was so blown away by it that I said, I need to have those words by heart. It's called From Blossoms by Lee Young Lee. From blossoms comes this brown paper bag of peaches we bought from the boy at the bend in the road where we turned toward signs painted peaches. From laden boughs, from hands, from sweet fellowship in the bins comes nectar at the roadside. Succulent peaches we devour, dusty skin and all, comes the familiar dust of summer, dust we eat. Oh, to take what we love inside, to carry within us an orchard, to eat, not only the skin, but the shade, not only the sugar, but the day to hold the fruit in our hands, adore it, then bite into the round jubilance of peach. There are days we live as if death were nowhere in the background, from joy to joy to joy, from wing to wing, from blossom to blossom to impossible blossom to sweet impossible blossom. Gorgeous. Man, you do a great job reciting that poem. I just feel full of joy when I hear you recite it. And I can imagine, I close my eyes and I'm eating that peach and I'm so thrilled at the taste and where it came from. It was amazing. Right. And when you eat the peach in that way, with that kind of mindfulness, with that kind of awareness, with that kind of non-automaticity, you eat everything. You eat the stars. So you eat the peach and you eat the universe and you become the universe. It's just so beautiful. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Soul Matters. And we keep coming here each week because soul really does matter. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today.